Now, if you think about it, as far as we were concerned, that would take us back to William the Conqueror. Oh, goodness. Well, a thousand years before uh, Jesus, there was King David. You know, when you think of William the Conqueror, it's in another land, isn't it? But the, the people of God were looking back to King David. And God had given him a promise. And he said this, Your house and your kingdom shall endure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. David, David's family, David's descendants, the people of Israel had been hanging on to that promise for 1,000 years. That puts things in perspective. They'd been looking for a king to rule over Israel, over the earth for a thousand years. And they'd been through all sorts of things. Let's jump forward 700 years before the time of Jesus. 750 years before the time of Jesus. Where would that take us back to in our history of England? It would take us back to Edward I. I'm sure you all know lots about Edward I. Well, one thing I did discover is that he conquered Wales. Oh, and now on the rugby field, they're trying to reverse it. Yeah, but 750 years before Jesus, the prophet Isaiah gave this prophetic word. He was looking out past the time of exile into a time of restoration. And he said this, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him, those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. What's the good news? God is reigning. That's the good news that Isaiah was prophesying about. In other words, there will come a day when the kingdom will come. When the God who rules over the whole earth will show and manifest his reign, his rule. So let's now go to the time of Jesus. No, we won't. <laughs> I almost forgot this bit. <laughs> Still with Isaiah. And actually, the fact that, in, in a sense, I almost skipped a slide, shows the dilemma that Israel had. Because right after Isaiah 52, not that they had chapters in Isaiah's day, but right after that, Isaiah pre prophesies about something else. He prophesies about the servant. A suffering servant. It's the next chapter. And the, the people of God, the Israelites, and then, and then the Jews, never put the two together. 
And yet this is what this Isaiah said. Talking of the servant. A lot of debate about this, but just soak this up. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his, our own way, and the Lord has laid on him, that's the servant, the iniquity of us all. You see what Isaiah says, God reigns, the kingdom is coming, the kingdom will be established. How? Through a servant who suffers. And the people of God in Jesus' day never put that together. But one man did. And that was Jesus himself. Jesus, the king. Jesus, the servant. Jesus, the servant king. And so Jesus comes at the very beginning of his ministry and he says, repent, turn around because the kingdom of heaven is near. The people didn't know it, but Jesus did. I'm the king who is coming. I'm the servant who is coming. I am the servant king. And by what I do, supremely what will happen on the cross, the kingdom will come. Now that's the background. Fantastic. So, when we pray, your kingdom come, what are we praying? What are we actually praying when we say your kingdom come? I mean, millions of people say those words. Often by rote. Just say them. But what are we actually praying if we use those words? We're praying loads of stuff. This is what we're praying. We're praying, first of all, that kingdom salvation will come because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. How does Jesus bring in the kingdom? How does he do it? He died for you. He went to the cross. He took upon himself our iniquity, our sin, our shame, our failure. That's what Jesus did. He took the sin, the evil of the whole world upon himself. And through his death and then through his resurrection, the kingdom is open to us. We talk about how when Jesus died, the, the veil in front of the temple was ripped in two from top to bottom, heaven to earth. The way was made open. And we can enter the kingdom, the presence of God. 
And we're saying, God, let your kingdom come more fully. Let more and more men and women, young people, put their lives in the hands of Jesus, who is the servant king. Let them trust his death and resurrection. That's what we're praying. We're praying for the spread of the good news when we say your kingdom come. But there's more. We're saying let your kingdom come in power, in healing, in deliverance. Look at the life and ministry of Jesus. He not only cares for us spiritually, but he cares for us uh, physically. We've actually had a conversation this morning, some of us, about this. And sometimes we have to believe this in the face of everything else that speaks against it. And we prayed this morning, let your fire fall. When we say, your kingdom come, we're longing for God to move in power and healing and deliverance, not just saving souls, whatever that means, and I'm not sure, but God move in power to save us. Body, mind, spirit, emotion, physically, mentally, spiritually. God, do a mighty work amongst us. Let your kingdom come. And we're saying, where's the kingdom going to be demonstrated? The church is not the kingdom, but the kingdom should demonstrate, the church should demonstrate the kingdom. Where are people going to see the kingdom of God in operation? Here. Or they should. The kingdom is bigger than the church. It's everywhere where God's reigning and ruling. But here, we need to demonstrate what the kingdom is all about. Through the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, faithfulness, goodness, it's so on. How we get on with each other. What our characters are like. And through the power of the gifts of the Spirit. We've only just tipped, dipped our big toe in the water. We really have. And we've sang this morning... Let your fire fall. We've had exhortations from amongst us to be open to what the Holy Spirit can do. The building, as been said, is not the destination. It's a means. It will be the same church as this morning that will be in a new building next week. Won't change us as church. Fantastic opportunities await us. But we need the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're saying when you, your kingdom come. Come in power. And there's more. And we need to, we're praying for kingdom people. We're allying, aligning ourselves with the kingdom. God, I, when I pray your kingdom come, I'm saying, may my life demonstrate your kingdom to others a foretaste of what is to come because the kingdom is here and yet it's still coming we have a down payment now and the hole is yet to be 
that's where we're in that, this tension. And so we're, we're praying, let your kingdom come in fullness. We're praying for kingdom fullness, that King Jesus, the servant king, will return in majesty and glory. And one day he will. Actually, I'm not about schemes of what's going to happen here, there and everywhere before Jesus returns. That's, that's not my, my approach. I just know one day Jesus is coming. He'll come again. As was said on the, on the day when he ascended to heaven, this Jesus, who you're watching, going, he'll come back. And we've been waiting for him for 2,000 years. But he'll come. He'll come. Jesus will reign wherever the sun does his successive journeys run. His kingdom will stretch from shore to shore, from shore, to shore. It will happen. And that's what we're praying. Wow. God, do a great work. Manifest your kingdom now. But ultimately, Jesus, come back. Please come back. And generation after generation after generation has stood in the position that we're standing in and said, God, please, Jesus, come back. One day he will. Your kingdom come. Well, what about your will be done? If you like, the, the focus just shifts a little bit onto us who are the servants of the king. Just a bit. It's still on him, but it's a little bit more on us. Your will be done. Let me make this point. This is the most radical, counter-cultural discipleship prayer you can ever make. There is nothing more radical in today's society than this prayer. Why? Because today's society is all about live your life. Do it your way. Fulfill your dreams. Be who you want to be. You live your own life. You are worth it. Frank Sinatra set the scene years ago and you hear it at, at funerals ad nauseum, I did it my way. And what does the new disciple have to pray straight away? Your will be done. That is so counter-cultural. It's your choice, your decision. Never mind the life that is inside you, ladies. It's your choice, your health. It's about you. Guys, if you want to be a woman, be a woman. It's your choice. And Jesus says, when you pray, your will be done.
Some of this is controversial. There's a, there's a lot that we should thank God for in our society at the moment, but there's a lot that is against what God wants. Your will be done. That is totally countercultural. But we're only following the pattern of Jesus. Who before he died in the Garden of Gethsemane said, My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not as I will but as you will. The one who teaches us to pray, your will be done, followed that exact line. He did what his father wanted him to do. And that wasn't sham in the Garden of Gethsemane. That was real. Even though he was the son of God, Jesus fully human, that was real. And it's, 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 a, it's a health warning to us, if you like, that following the will of God it ain't always going to be easy. In fact, it could be mightily tough. But that's what we pray in the whole context of your kingdom come in power and glory, in the all of that in which we long for the fire to fall, God, your will be done. So what does that mean then? When we pray that, we're praying this. Quite simply, that what Father wants to happen, happens. Simple, isn't it? What God wants to happen, happens. Your will be done. It's as simple as that. But it isn't as easy as that. Because we're also praying, God, what I want, what we want, must be in line with what you want, with what Father wants. Your will be done. Lord, I'd love to do this. But unfortunately, you've told me to do that. You know, that sounds like slavery. And in a sense, it is. Because the biblical word for servant is slave. And yet, here's another truth. That in serving Jesus, there is the most perfect freedom you will ever find. Because that is where full, true fulfillment lies. That is where true purpose is. That is where true self-actualization, to use a long word, really is, finds itself. You become who God wanted you to be, and that's the best. So it's not just praying, God, Father, you get what you want. It's outside of me. 
where I just sit back and watch. Thank God sometimes it's like that. But it's, Father, I want my will to be in line with yours because I don't know how you're going to use me in it. Which takes us to the next point. When we pray, your will be done, we're actually praying that what we want is in line with the way Father wants it done. Oh boy. You know, we might have many plans for the hive. We're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to buy this, we'll have this course, we'll do that, whatever, whatever, whatever. And God says, no. I want you to do it this way. Now, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. These are things that we're going to have to find out as we go on. But it is so easy for us as leaders, as people, to say, oh, we've got this facility. That means we can do this, 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 and that. And actually, if we're dependent upon God, he might say, I want you to do this, but not that. And, but actually, if you thought of doing something else, how we say, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll get in hordes of people. And God might say, it's personal witness that still counts. Not the fact that you're in a building. It's relationship, whatever. Your will be done. Lord, we want to do it, not just your will, but in the way you want it done. And that can change. Let's not be a, a church that sets something in motion and then is afraid to stop it when God changes strategy, if you like. What's appropriate now may not be appropriate a few, in a few years' time. And we're praying that whatever happens, the Father is glorified. Your will be done. Yes, people may say about Life Church because, oh, isn't it good? They've got themselves a, a lovely place, a lovely facility, whatever. Uh, it, it's, it's fantastic. But the real glory should not be to us, or certainly not to the building. But the real glory must be His. I believe that's where we want to put it. We rejoice in His provision. We thank God for the, the, every way in which he's led us. We thank God for 37,500 pounds and all the rest. Yeah, that's wonderful. But let's make sure he gets the honor, the praise. Let's make sure that people know God did it. He be the glory. I do echo. Fantastic, Paul. 
Doesn't that make your heart rejoice? It does, doesn't it? And we give God the glory. And I know that humanly speaking, you say there were forms to fill in and committees to consider and decisions to be made. Yes, I know all of that, but behind it all stands the love of our Father for us. Isn't that right? And he's a good God. And we want to seek his kingdom and we want to pray his kingdom coming. And we look forward to one day, whenever this will come, I don't know, we, one day that we will be able to say the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. That's our hope. That's our hope. I used to sing this. Joy. I'm going to really step out of line here. <laughs> Could you come to the keyboard? That is a good question. <laughs> Can you put us in the key of G? Hello. <laughs> and can we go like la da 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 The kingdom of this world has now become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. I put it down to F. Shall we go down? <laughs> the kingdom of this world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign Forever and ever I, I, why am I doing this? <laughs> because, because, because let's rejoice that the kingdom is coming. Yeah, seriously, folks, won't it be a great day when we can laugh and joy, dance and whatever? We're so sober-sided as Christians. We really are. And yet, the kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, Father and Son, reigning together. And God will reign forever and ever. Amen. Thank you so much. <laughs>